welcome to the Toasted Sister Podcast, a show about indigenous food. I'm Andy Murphy, I'm Navajo, and I come from Crown Point, New Mexico. And this is my 24th episode. That means it's been almost a full year since I uploaded that first episode on January 5th this year. I've spoken to more than 30 native chefs and foodies about their personal journeys and culinary arts, and we also talked about issues like appropriation, sovereignty, uh, climate change, revitalization, economics, and discrimination. If you like listening, please share these episodes with your friends, your in-laws, and your co-workers, and please rate and review this show on iTunes. It really helps get the word out about this podcast. Also, I still have some Toasted Sister Podcast tumblers for sale. Go to ToastedSisterPodcast.com to purchase a tumbler or to donate any amount. Your monetary donations will go towards the continued production of this podcast. And hey, thank you so much for listening and thank you for your support. Now, let's get this special episode started. My name is Twyla Casper. I'm not a citizen from the San San Carlos Apache tribe. Um, I am a cultural project assistant with my tribe. I work with traditional food and our elders, and most most is directly working with elders. That at that time, this was in this that began in 19, 1983, and at that time, the elders were in their 70s and 80s, and they were raised by their grandparents during the time of transition of the reservation, pretty much. So a lot of that is collecting traditional knowledge and, and various ways of um, of collecting data from each of them on food. And so for us is to revitalize that knowledge with our community. What I do is reintroduce these foods back into our communities. And, and I'm working with four other tribes. All right. Thank you so much, Twyla. Uh, Hillel, can you introduce yourself? Hi. My name is Hillel Echohawk. I am Pawnee and Athabascan. I am a cook at Jolie here in Seattle, and I also am the owner of Birch Basket, a private chef company. And... Food is just has always been a huge part of my life. Um, it's always just been in my family because not only do we have a huge family, but um, uh, we've always been very active in uh, because I grew up in Alaska. Um, the Athabascan culture is very much so where women are very active in cooking, and um, I was just always in the kitchen, even when I should have been outside playing. Um, I was just always wanting to be in and around the, the culture of the food and and helping out foraging and whatnot. And so, but yeah, just food has just always been part of my life in that area. All right. Thank you for joining. And uh, Jessica, please introduce yourself. My name is Jessica Sargent. I'm from the Akwazasi Mohawk Nation I am the photographer of the Eye Collective. I also run Ink and Paper Photo, my photography studio, and I'm also the administrative assistant of the Friends of the Alcazar Freedom School. I work more in language revitalization than food, but food and language are tied very closely to culture, so it all kinds of comes to cut together. So with the Freedom School, we do a lot of gardening and things like that. Um, so I am learning more and getting better at it. So my role with the iCollective was photographer slash eater. 
<laughs> lucky, <Yeah>. lucky. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jessica, for joining us. And then we have uh, Britt. Britt, please introduce yourself. Um, hello, my name is Britt Reed. I'm Chapta, and I'm also a cook. And I guess as for me, um, right now, I'm in the last phase of my educational journey in an institution. Right now, I am at Seattle Culinary Academy. Um, and before that, I was um, at the Evergreen State College and the Masters in Public Administration Tribal Governance um, Cohort and Concentration. I'm also the founder of Food Sovereignty is Tribal Sovereignty, um, which is a group currently on Facebook, but um, myself and my co and Buffy Turner are hoping to turn that into a 501c3. Um, and that group can, is basically um, a space for Native and Indigenous people in the Americas, um, and now also a few people from Europe who are Sami, discuss issues concerning um, food sovereignty, food insecurity, food justice as it pertains to our tribal communities and our urban Native communities, um, share recipes, pretty much anything that concerns um, our traditional foods and traditional food waste. I'm also an iCollective member. All right. Thank you so much, Britt, for joining us today. Um, so you mentioned iCollective. Can you uh, tell us what iCollective is all about? So I guess like real quick, the I in the iCollective stands for Indigenous, Inspired, Innovated, and Independent. Um, and we're an autonomous group of um, chefs, cooks, artists, knowledge keepers, seed savers that are involved in various areas of the tribal food system. So far, the work that we've done happened this past week or two ago. Um, and that was um, a takeover of New York City. Um, we wanted to be able to um, have a series of pop-ups that challenged um, and flipped the switch on America's conception of Thanksgiving and what it's all about, particularly since there's so many stereotypes and mythologies surrounding it. So um, we went on to occupy Lene Lenape land um, to do that. And we're hoping to create more spaces throughout the country and series of pop-ups or other events um, that will address various different issues. All right, then. And what was your role there? Did you um, cook a couple things at the pop-up, or what, what What did you do there? Oh, yeah. I helped to prep quite a few things, whether they were my dish or not. But I was a part of the group of folks on the 23rd that did a pop-up at Dime. Um, and we did a Southwestern-themed menu, um, so that consisted of ingredients and cuisines from the Diné, the Hopi, the Zuni, Tohoro uh, Odom, the Pueblos, um, just to name a couple of tribes. Um, and then I also did a dish on our very last pop-up, which was a tasting menu. Uh, for me, like like I said, I'm Choctaw. And trying to keep track of, you know, like all of the discourse that happens and all of the discussion that happens regarding the different things that are going on in Indian country regarding food and food sovereignty and just, you know, projects and programs and representation, I've really noticed that there's been a strong lack of um, discussion and light shined on Southeastern cuisine. You know, it's pulled at my strings. I'm like, hey, what about us? Uh, we've got great food. We contribute to the Southern cuisine and Creole and Cajun food quite strongly, and they wouldn't be there without us, um, in addition to just bringing great cuisines. And so for me, it was really great to be able to present my dish, which was uh, Tonchi Labona, 
which is what we as Choctaw call it, um, our cousins, the Chickasaw, call Pashofa. Um, and it's a dish that consists traditionally of hominy, corn, and pretty much like whatever game you can find. At one point, the Spanish invaded our territory. They left a bunch of pigs. That was known as the Jimón Ibérico, which is a highly sought-after um, breed of pigs from Spain. Um, so that's in our territory. We thought they shouldn't be eaten, so we didn't, but the French wiped out all of our gear. And so at that point, we transitioned into eating corn. Um, so for me, it was really great to be able to present this dish in an actual traditional form um, at New York and be able to talk about these sorts of things. Um, and then my dish at that time in New York, it consisted of hominy um, that came from the most northern area in Canada that you can possibly grow corn and then also rabbit. So it was really great. Nice. And uh, let's go back to Twyla. Twyla, what was your role there in um, New York? And uh, maybe what was your favorite part about being around uh, all these other chefs and uh, people focused on food in New York? My role was bringing a young chef named Shannon Dossel from our community, the San Carlos um, Apache tribe. He mm-hmm. just graduated from culinary school not too long back and was introducing them into a traditional food waste and food justice and food sovereignty. So attending this event was really eye-opening for him and embracing the fact that there is this movement among all indigenous tribes that are reclaiming our food and re-indigenizing our food waste and reintroducing it to the community, but in a whole different level. Um, being out there was a great experience to work with uh, to work with all the other tribes that were there. It was welcoming. It was beautiful. It was a moment that I can say we really bonded well through food, and it also opened up ideas and views, especially for this young man that I brought along, and it was very empowering for him. Okay. And what do you hope he takes back home to uh, San Carlos Apache? For what he takes home is is realizing how strong he is as an individual, as a young Apache man, and how much of this traditional food is really, is actually what is strengthening him, as well as the community, as as far as looking at the health concern, the cancer concern, the obesity concern. And reevaluating our food system and knowing that this is like a more positive alternative in looking at our community health issues and crisis. And for him to take that knowledge and put it into the place where he's comfortable at is with food, but using traditional food to help heal the people. And he's seeing that the information that was shared with him there, it really brought a lot back to him where now he's calling saying he wants to learn more about the traditional food. And so he'll be going out with me this whole year to harvest and learn more about different ways of cooking techniques. I do a different form of cooking. I'm just I, I'm just a self-cleaning chef. <laughs> okay. So I cook in a different form but he actually brings it to a really beautiful level. He can introduce it to the community, but 
in a really healthy way. No, I just assisted Shannon with his dish. He did a really beautiful plate with our what we say, gastabole, hoshintele, iya, with the different foods that he was able to create his own dish. And this is something he had always dreamed of, but for him to actually put our traditional food and be able to do it the way he did, it was amazing. I was really blown away. I'm very, I feel like a very proud mom. Cool. Well, uh, let's go on to uh, Hillel. Uh, what did you, uh, did you cook anything at New York? And, um, you know, what's one of the most important things that you thought you took back from that experience there? So my sister, one of my sisters was able to come and she tried his chili, Shannon's chili. And she was like, oh my God, this is the best thing. This is so good. I just want to just eat this all the time. And I was like, yeah, let me buy that guy. And she's like, oh, my God. And she pointed to him. I don't know if he saw or not, but she, like, rubbed her belly. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and so, you know, that just, it just goes still. Like, this is, like, native, native food, traditional food. Is so good. It's so, it's not just healthy for you, but it's delicious. People don't realize, they're like, oh, it's just corn, it's squat, you know, it's just like these basic things people think, but it's so yeah, much it's more delicious. than that. <laughs> it's, it's so much more than that. And, and people, people just can't see it, you know? And so I think that's one of the things that I, one of the biggest things that I took away from that is that, when the people who came ate the food, they not just heard the stories because we always had to like present, like, like Britt said, we always had to say something about the plate of food that we put down in front of them. But when they took that first bite, it's like a light bulb moment went off and they saw not just food differently, but native people differently. That's so huge. So when you can change somebody's perspective about an entire group of people over a plate of food. Okay. And uh, Jessica, you were there as the event photographer. Uh, What were some interesting things that you heard, some interesting conversations? Maybe not so much interesting conversations, but what I found really awesome, I guess, Mm -hmm. is that you know, we had all of these different tribes. There were so many different tribes represented and we're all spread out across the country, but we had very similar traditional dishes. And I really thought that was interesting. You know, I brought white corn and squash and deer meat and moose meat down from my nation. And they, um, some guys, you know, we, one of our traditional meals is mush. I love mush. It's like mush time right now. It's getting cold out. Carlos made a blue corn mush dish and it was looked exactly like what I grew up eating, but it tasted totally different because of the different ingredients that he used. We have these common threads in food and and we can all share these meals together and these conversations together over this food. And I just thought it was really great that, you know, things that I grew up eating and that my, my Dota, my, my great grandparents, they all grew up eating people across the country and other nations were eating too. Even though it was really late at night and everybody was super exhausted and we had that meeting, I thought some of the things that came out of it were really interesting. Um, we had a meeting at like, God, what time was that? 
It was. Uh, it went till two. It went till like yeah. two thirty in the morning. Yeah, and yep. some of you had gotten there at like nine in the morning. So yeah. everybody had been on their feet all day on concrete. We were all tired and sore, and sweaty and gross. <laughs> but but we sat and and talked about you know some of the principles that we we want to establish with this group, and some of the things that came out of there were really nice because you know first everybody goes around and talks about their experience. That's just what we do. We go around and we thank each other for being there. Shannon got up and spoke, and Frankie made all of us cry. And um, so I thought that you know our last our last little meeting was great. I was kind of half paying attention because I was trying to shoot at the same time. So I was looking for those reactions and trying to film and do both duties. It's hard to pay attention to what people are saying when I'm taking pictures. Right. Um. That's fair. <laughs> yep. I think. Some of my favorite things were um, everybody standing around the prep table, talking and laughing, and there's different, everybody, you know, everybody's different language comes out in little ways, and then somebody inevitably starts around dancing around the table. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. that, was, I, that was my that was favorite amazing. because... Yeah, that was yeah. so <laughs> That was so good. That was my favorite part because growing up, I was always told that if you're not having fun while you're cooking, the food's not going to be good. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, when we're making food for wakes up here, we're we're trying to laugh and have fun, even though we're, you know, we're sad about the person that we're cooking for. We try to laugh and play music and dance around and joke with each other. And, and that that sense of family so far from home with these people that I just met was really great. So what about... Um, If I can uh, jump in here, I mean, what do you hope that the uh, people who paid to go to um, some of these dinners, what do you hope they take home with them? Uh, This is Jessica. I'm just just as an an observer. I got to listen to some of the things that were spoken before each meal, especially at Dimes. You know, judging from the crowd, they they seem to be a very open-minded group, and they were a very diverse group for sure. I think they were all very willing to listen to what was happening and take, you know, learn that we're still here. We're still fighting the fights that we've been fighting for generations now. But I think I would like them to take away the fact that we, you know, we're not this cookie cutter Indians with feathers in their hair dancing on TV. You know, we're, we're real people with real problems and real lives. There's a lot that was taken from us that we're now taking back. All right. Anyone else? Along kind of along the same lines as as Jessica, um, yeah, we are still here. I know that everyone had to tell a story or say something with with each dish, and and I know everybody tried to make at least some impact with not just with the food, but with what they said. I just hope that those people didn't forget it. I want them to remember it. I want them to have thought about it afterwards and had a conversation with it because it wasn't very uncomfortable what we were saying and what we were feeding them. Um, like the dinner that um, I did, it was called the solidarity dinner. It's not the, hey, come here and be warm and welcoming. No, this is, this is what it is. You're eating this food in solidarity and you're going to be uncomfortable because to be in solidarity is, is not to be comfortable. I just really hope that these people understand that 
that they are on native land. Uh, hello, can you uh, tell me what were some of the uh, food items at this solidarity, solidarity dinner you hosted? I made a uh, those three sisters, but I also added um, sunflower seeds because in pony culture, um, the sunflower, we call it the fourth sister um, because it is used for um, to divide our crops. And then I also did a, um, a braised rabbit with um, baby turnips, purple potato, and cranberry sauce. Uh, Mario, he made um, like a sweet potato with um, a maple sauce and pumpkin seeds for dessert. It was delicious. Yeah, those are just a couple things off the top of my head. All right. Sounds delicious. Um, uh, Britt, I heard you wanted to jump in. Uh, what do you hope people uh, took away from, um, you know, buying a ticket, eating these um, dishes from all these different chefs? There was definitely uncomfortable conversations that had happened. And I know, uh, speaking for myself, um, when we had our dinner on the 23rd, you know, like we're sitting in the kitchen, at least like for David and myself, we didn't really think that we'd be <laughs> going out and talking um, and introducing a dish. Um, but, you know, there was like a moment we're standing there as we're plating dishes and uh, and Carlos, like, you know, like, just like, come on, we're going out. <laughs> I was like, all right, now's the time. Mm-hmm. What am I going to say? Um, and they were plating up this uh, this salad with some tohoro odom beans, chola beans, or sorry, chola uh, buds. But anyway, like, so we go out there and... I think more than anything that this experience in New York has been a culmination of all of my life experiences uh, coming into like one week. And um, with that dish having Tohoto Odom beans in there, all I could think of was um, my friend Mary, who is Tohoto Odom, and her and my friend Toby Sawyer talking about how uh, the difficulties that the Tohoto Odom um, has been facing and continuing to face the issues of borders and their access to be able to visit their relatives and to go to ceremony and to gather the foods um, that are traditional for them and how, um, because of those borders, they have to make real decisions about um, whether, or not they, or whether or not they want to engage um, in those things and that there definitely have been people that are at the Hoda Odom that have had to stay in Mexico because of policies that the United States government has and that they're not wanting to uphold treaties and agreements they have had with the Hoda Odom. Um, and so those are the things that came up to me as I was standing in front of this crowd that, you know, had paid, um, to eat this food. And that was what I talked about. Um, and it's not a, it's not a comfortable conversation to have because we don't talk about the impact of borders on indigenous people in this country, whether that's the tribes, like, you know, like the, the Mohawk and the, um, Iroquois people up in New York, or whether that's the Coast Salish people in Washington, um, in British Columbia, or if that's the, the Tohoto Odom and the other tribes that are there along the Mexican border. I really hope that they take that back and they sit with that and they think about that and that they share those things, you know, so we can have a, a wider conversation around these issues that impact so many people and so many tribes. All right. Well, does um, anybody want to talk about anything else? I think I can um, sort of wrap this up right now. Uh, this is Twyla. Okay. Um, I want to mention about the dish that Shannon prepared, and the dish that he prepared is actually a dish of resiliency, mm. because the dish he had prepared with the chili and the aspirin is actually food that was imposing us when we were brought on the reservation, when when, mm-hmm. when people were brought about into hardship. But 
the resiliency of our people to, to sustain themselves with that food, with the food that these people were consuming at this event. And that was a translation of our resiliency as first people, our resiliency that we are here and how amazing this food is and how amazing we made it through the worst of everything that this government has done to us and still doing to us, that we are here. And this food is a great representation of us from all geographies that was brought to this table. And little did they know, I think, is that it's a part of them now. This food is a part of them. This food came from where we are from, where we're rooted from, and the land. So I'm hoping that that blessing of the food actually, how, how would you say, open that mind and keep that conversation going and letting people know that not, not to forget who we are, that we are here and we'll always be here. The kitchen was definitely a great moment. <laughs> I got some good shots of Brit in that. I, I tell people about that and they just don't get it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I did not get that. It was so good because it was just like we just all looked at each other. It just happened. It just happened. And I was there. I got my camera out real quick. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so good. And like Elizabeth Hoover, like doing both traditional and fancy dancing in the back line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the came in, like dancing kind of like a woman's traditional. <laughs> trying to be all serious talking up there while we're like <laughs> cracking up in the table. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were getting away from people. <laughs> the dinner on the back line was like literally the best. We had Mario come in who is uh, Erica's friend. He's from Mexico and I believe he's like anyway, yeah, like, he, in addition to being like this fabulous chef, he also is a yoga instructor. Thank <laughs> you. 